Hello there, boxing fans around the world. Time to join me once again here on Talk and Fight for another episode of Boxing News. Today, uh, we're going to start off with a bit of news. Well, more of a more or less a preview of the upcoming fights that we have this weekend. Let's start off with a quick little look at uh, uh, the Clarissa Shields versus Savannah Marshall fight. Uh, that's actually an all-female card and is going to make British history in that respect. But let's take a look at something that uh, Boxer, that's B-O-X-X-E-R, has uh, produced uh, a video, a documentary actually, uh, a film documenting the, the bitter rivalry between these two female fighters. And it's quite uh, a revealing tell-all documentary, quite frankly. Let's have a quick little read here of some of the quotes from Savannah Marshall. On starting boxing at the age of 12, I was very sporty growing up. I played football, netball. But at age 12, I walked into a boxing gym because one of my friends had a little plastic trophy, which I saw glisten in the sun. And I thought, I want one of them. Curiosity took hold of me. I was more curious than anything. I remember walking up the steps in the gym, hearing music blasting and bags being punched. I stood at the door looking through the glass, thinking I want to go in. Looking back now and considering how painfully how, how painfully shy I was at that age, I couldn't believe I'd, I'd done that. Uh, on, on, by the way, on Clarissa Shields proclaiming to be the greatest woman of all time, uh, this is what Savannah Marshall said, Clarissa's quite comical. There's nothing she can do or say that will affect me. I remember when I was younger, one month my mom got a discount on some steaks, and that was what we ate. Steak and chips, steak pie, steak stew, steak and dumplings, you name it, we had it. So that must be, must be why uh, I have the hard-hitting, punching power. And I'm breaking away from being shy, she comments. Everyone's talking about the evolution of Savannah Marshall. I've gone from being a relative mute to being a not-so-silent assassin. And I'm working with Pete Fury, she has this to say. I always knew I could dig, but when I got to train with Peter, he showed me how to punch properly. Clarissa Shields, for her part, had this to say on losing to Savannah Marshall as an amateur, her only defeat. It was a whirlwind getting there, but I never quit. After I lost to Savannah Marshall, I was very angry about it. And on her harrowing upbringing and what has driven her to success in boxing, she said, I didn't uh, talk a lot growing up. I didn't talk until I was five. And then at the age of 11, I started boxing. I, I look at where I came, came from. I came from the bottom. I don't think about what people realize what the bottom is. I won the Olympics, but before I left home, I didn't even have a bed to sleep in. I went through some things growing up, for sure. I got sexually abused when I was five. That made me really angry and confused towards people. I didn't have a bed until after the Olympics, and that was the age of 17. From the ages of 14 to 17, and even before then, I was sleeping on floors. People wonder why I'm so hungry. It's because it's what I've had to do for myself. If I didn't, me and my family would have been poor forever. With the skills I have, I was never going to settle for that. I knew I was going to do something with them. I had to win the Olympics. I had to win world championships. I don't hate these girls, but they have to understand how much I have to win. They just don't get it. Wow. Said Bun Shalom, the uh, CEO of Boxer. Look at the difference now in Savannah in her professional days. She's gone from being in the middle of the cars to headlining events and selling out arenas, including her home city of Newcastle, which she could only have only dreamt. I think she's the biggest woman fight of all time. This is definitely the biggest rivalry in women's boxing history. Wow. Anyway, uh, we certainly look forward. Uh, 
you know, to to seeing this fight this upcoming weekend. As I said, uh, the the other, by the way, I should mention the other incredibly bitter rivalry. And you can see this if you follow social media at all. If you follow social media, you'll see the, um, shall we say, sparring going on between Michaela Mayer and Alicia Baumgartner and others uh, with respect to who's, who's, who shall we say the best and who's going to win and the preview. And uh, they're anticipating this to be a great card, as we all are. Uh, but if you take a look at social media, there's some gems of quotes going on back and forth. Let's quickly move along now to another big fight coming up between uh, Shakur Stevenson, who I've reported on before, uh, who is set to def- defend his unified junior lightweight title against Robson Canseco uh, from, from Brazil, the Prudential Center. Uh, and it'll also feature lightweight sensation uh, Keyshawn Davis, who's set to return to the ring as a co-feature. Um, uh, it's been promoted by Top Rank. Uh, and as Bob Aram says, the sensational Shakir Stevenson is once-in-a-generation boxing talent. And he's back home in Newark as a world champion. He is a worthy contender in Robson Kansiko. I can't also wait to see the young talents Keyshawn Davis and Bruce Carrington perform on such a significant card. Prudential Center is incredibly proud to partner once again with Top Rank and ESPN to host Newark's own Shakur Stevenson in his hometown bout as he defends his junior lightweight world titles in his exciting matchup, um, said uh, Dylan Wanagiel, VP of Sports Properties and Special Events for the Prudential Center. Having Shakur back home means a great deal to the city as his presence alone is an inspiration to our next generation. We look forward to another historic night as we add to the rich history of combat sports in our great state of New Jersey. We welcome all fight affectionados to join the unique excitement of a Newark crowd, which we will share with the worldwide audiences of ESPN and ESPN Desportes. Uh, so Stevenson, by the way, is unbeaten, 18-0, nine knockouts, um, following, uh, is, is following up on a career best performance back in April over Oscar Valdez, where he unified two junior lightweight titles and near shutout over 12 rounds and vaulted up the pound for pound rankings. He is a former featherweight world champion, by the way, and won the WBO junior lightweight strap last October with a knockout over long reigning champ Jamal Herring. Um, so Kanchenko, for his part, is 17-1 with eight knockouts, and he made history as Brazil's first Olympic boxing gold medalist, turning pro under the top-ranked banner less than three months after winning uh, at the 2016 Rio Games. Uh, anyway, uh, Kanchenko said, for his part, Shakur Stevenson is excellent athlete and has my respect for everything he's accomplished our paths are crossing there will only be one champion i guarantee the best performance of my life it will be the fight of the year and a great show for the audience and my brazilian fans the ones that never give up uh, Keyshawn davis for his part he's five and oh four knockouts he's been featured on talking fight before uh he's from norfolk virginia and shined in the Stevenson Valdez co-feature, knocking out Esteban Sanchez in six rounds. The 23-year-old, nicknamed the businessman, is a rising star who's yet to lose a round in the paid ranks. The one-time amateur superstar was one of the best fistic stars of Tokyo 2020. Davis ran rough shot through the lightweight bracket until the championship bout, where he lost the decision to Cuban prodigy Andy Cruz. As I said earlier, the undercard uh, is highlighted by the fifth professional outing of featherweight Bruce Carrington, who hails from Brooklyn. And Carrington is sporting a 4-0 record with three knockouts, and he'll fight the Chilean veteran Jose Argel in a six-rounder. 
good stuff. By the way, you might recall Carrington had won three straight by knockout since turning pro with a decision victory last October on the Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder number three undercard. So good stuff. By the way, on that undercard, you're also going to see Long Island-born welterweight prospect to High Tucker, who's 8-0. Uh, he's going up against Jose Sanchez from Mexico in a six-rounder. And a pair of Puerto Rican contenders, junior lightweight Henry Moncho Lebron, 16-0. And featherweight Orlando Gonzalez, 18-1, 11 knockouts. We'll also see action in separate eight-rounders. So a, a big night uh, for Shakur Stevenson and his cast as they go toe-to-toe this upcoming weekend. Also on Saturday, September 24th, boxing fans across the UK and Ireland will be able to tune in to the highly anticipated heavyweight matchup between Joe the Juggernaut Joyce and Joseph Parker, the number one and number two ranked boxers in the WBO rankings, respectively. The winner of this can't-miss box office clash will claim the vacant WBO interim heavyweight title. The fight, which will be held at the AO Arena in Manchester, will be Joyce's first fight in the UK outside of his hometown of London. Parker, on the other hand, has fought his last two fights in the AO, defeating Derek Chisora twice. Uh, Joyce enters this fight with a record of 14-0 with 13 knockouts and currently holds the WBO International, WBC Silver and Commonwealth heavyweight titles. And in his last fight, the 36-year-old defeated Christian Hammer via fourth-round stoppage. In the other corner, Parker, by the way, he's 30-2, and two, 21 knockouts, boasts a six-fight winning streak leading into the bout and is hungry to reestablish himself as the top fighter in the WBO category, having previously held the belt in 2016, following a victory over Andy Ruiz. So this is going to be a pretty big collision, and we're all looking forward to seeing the result of it and hopefully a, a loosening up of that clog at the top of the heavyweight uh, division. Uh, just, just as an FYI, uh, Parker, who won that title in 2016 um, with a points victory over Andy Ruiz, as I said, successfully defended against uh, Razvan Conjano and Huey Fury before suffering defeat in the unification battle with Anthony Joshua back in 2018. The 30-year-old is currently on a six-fight winning streak, as I said, following a points loss to Dillian White back in 2018 with a run including successive victories over Derek Chisora, as I said, both held in Manchester. Uh, fans can look forward to an array of established up-and-coming Queensbury talent. Uh, Frank Warren, obviously, behind this, on display to the on the Nowhere to Run undercard that will be announced in the coming weeks, he said. So fair enough. We look forward to that. All right, let's move along uh, quickly to some fun stuff. Mayweather Promotions CEO Leonard Ellerby and Eddie Hearn from Matrim went back and forth on social media today. That would be actually yesterday, and maybe they're going at it still today. Uh, over the pay-per-view numbers for last weekend's trilogy fight between Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin, Triple G. LRB did a bit of gloating after industry insider Dan Raphael reported that the Canelo versus Golovkin Triple, Triple G fight brought in between 550 and 575,000 buys on zone pay-per-view. According to Raphael, those numbers are disappointing, and he doubts that they'll cover the $75 million in purses paid out to Canelo and Golovkin for their headliner last Saturday at the T-Mobile uh, Arena in Las Vegas. DAZN reported that the total buy rate was 1.06 million buys for the fight. However, Rafael said these were global numbers and not for the United States, which charges much more than their pay-per-view than other countries. 
DAZN hasn't reported the total revenue pulled in for the fight. Uh, and that would clear up a lot of things if they revealed uh, that to the public because it would shed light on where the buys will cover the $75 million in purses for uh, Canelo and Golovkin, said Ellerby. He might need a little cheering up, so let's sing him a song. Ain't no sunshine at the zone. <laughs> Classic, uh, said Dan Raphael. Disappointing, originally. So this is what he originally said. Disappointing. Uh, hashtag Canelo Triple G3 pay-per-view numbers. Read my story and sign up for the My Boxing Newsletter. Yada, yada. Uh, Leonard LB continued. Stop it, Edward. Thought I'd send you a little song to cheer you up. Let me know if you need me, Floyd, Stephen, or Al to show up to sh- <laughs> show you how to do the big boy stuff. <laughs> FYI, every major player over here is laughing at you. You don't know what the FK you're doing in the U.S. Ooh, zinga, said Eddie Hearn. Blimey, Lenny. We just did 1 million buys. When was the last time you were involved with a fight that did more than about 100,000? And don't count Floyd because you were just packing his jock strap. <laughs> Shall we continue? Sure, let's go. No time uh, to be going back and forth with you, trying to get big boy shit done. You know that record-breaking stuff you know nothing about? Hope to cheer you up, mate. Eddie Hearn. Blimey. Oh, same thing. Okay, so those those are two slamming comments from Leonard Ellerby. <laughs> Holy crap, this is funny stuff. Uh, said Ellerby as he continues. Uh, you can't. It's lies, lies, mad because he overpaid and the pay-per-view underperformed drastically and you can't run that other bullshit to any of us. <laughs> Remember, this is the same guy that spent millions and millions of dollars on a campaign to push pay-per-view is dead. <laughs> Holy smokes. Oh, man. Anyway. If the, anyway, this article continues. Uh, this is on boxingnews24.com, by the way. I'm skipping ahead of myself here. If the pay-per-view numbers don't balance out to cover the cost of the huge purses for Canelo and Glovkin, it's unclear what DAZN would be looking to prove by reporting the event is pulling in 1.06 million buys. It was a bad idea to make the Canelo versus Glovkin fight at this point in their careers because there's no longer a lot of interest in the fight. Glovkin has won damage to his career by choosing... Uh, to face non-elite fighters in the last four years, and the fans have forgot about him. Janabek, uh, Alam Kanuli, or Yamaguchi Falco, the Brazilian guy that we promoted, Bob Aaron, on Talk Rank, uh, when he asked about Janai Glovkin should fight next after his loss to Canelo. I mean, those those fights are easy fights to make, and they will be fights for Triple G, but they're not affordable because he's not, it's not his fault. He's coming off a deal where I think he made in his last fight $30 million. Nobody's going to pay him anything like that to fight one of those guys, said Aram about Golovkin. So there you go. A bit of back and forth between the top promoters in the world. All righty. Let's have a quick look at what's going on uh, in, shall we say, other parts of the world. Uh, back on Saturday night, a capacity crowd packed into the Shirebrook Leisure Center in Mansfield over in the UK to watch the latest fair from Chris Boyle's Xbox promotional outfit that was headed by two world championship contests. The main event of the night pitted workshops Eleanor, that's L. Colson, 7-1-0, in a 10-round middleweight contest for the vacant WBU World Championship against late replacement unbeaten Sandra Lopez Gomez from Mexico after the original opponent, Yacor Chavez Anan, failed to secure her visa in time. Anyway, uh, Colson won that uh, fight, and we now turn our attention um, 
to prior to the Colson Gomez fight, WBU World Championship, uh, another female championship contest between Birmingham's Nicole Goldsmith and Nicaragua's Jamalith Vallecos for the Jane Couch MBE Super Flyweight Challenge Bait. Uh, challenge belt took place and what a fight it was it was non-stop war right from the start Vallejos taking the fight straight to Goldsmith and letting rip with big rights Goldsmith was one tough cookie though and stood firm and countered whenever she got the chance but Vallejos attack was relentless more of the same in the second and third but in the fourth Goldsmith decided to get back on her game plan and started working with her jab initially the Brummy seemed to get be getting control of the fight but around a minute and a half in Vallejos corralled Goldsmith back on the ropes and regained control with big lefts and rights Vallejos came out hard and fit in the fifth uh, as in the early rounds just kept uh, up a constant onslaught Goldsmith attempted to get back in the gameplay but Vallejos was relentless the sixth was a virtual repeat of the fifth at the end of the round Goldsmith coach Peter Leachman summoned referee and retired his charge the fourth fight uh, the night features WIBA featherweight world champion, eight-year-old Holly Towel, eight and one, who returned to the UK less than two weeks ago, following an unsuccessful defense of her coveted crown against Rebecca Hawker in Brisbane, Australia, on the third of September. Towel's opponent on Saturday night was a seriously tough, unbeaten Nicaragua, Wendelin Cruz. Not exactly the type of tough fight you'd expect so soon after a grueling ten-rounder just fourteen days prior. Anyway, let's get to the fight itself. Cruz went straight on the attack, throwing big shot after big shot. Tal wasn't phased by the tactic, tactics at all, and calmly defended the initial onslaught before turning the tables on the highly aggressive Nicaraguan with some sensational boxing. Tal went on to secure the round, and I would say with ease. However, it was anything but, as Cruz is seriously tough and talented. The following rounds were much the same, with Cruz in full attack, uh, full in with full on attack mode and Tal calmly and stylishly outboxed her. After six sensational rounds, referee Lee Matag scorecards read 60 54 in favor of Holly Tal. Whilst absolutely correct, it wasn't really expressive how truly competitive the fight was. The third bout of the night was a 12 rounder welterweight contest between Orkney's Paul Pierce and uh, Ghanaian Samuel Akroga. Uh, for the vacant WBU, that's World Boxing Union and Professional Boxing Council, PBC World Crowns. Again, a highly competitive all-action affair uh, with um, uh, peers coming out on top. So uh, lots of uh, fight action uh, over in the UK. And let's conclude then uh, this uh, episode with a bit of news out of Katie Taylor's corner. Katie Taylor will defend her undisputed lightweight world title against Karen Elizabeth Karabajal at the OVO Arena in London uh, on Saturday, October 29th. Uh, that'll be shown on DAZN. Taylor is undefeated, 21-0, six knockouts. Cemented herself, as we all know, as the greatest female fighter on the planet, it says in this article, by edging out Amanda Serrano in an epic fight for the ages, an iconic night at a sold-out Madison Square Garden back in, uh, uh, in New York. The Irish superstar retained her undisputed lightweight title after fight of the year contender uh, with Serrano, the first women's boxing belt to headline the famous Madison Square Garden in its 140-year-old history. For her part, by the way, Argentina's Carabajal, he's, she's 19-0, undefeated as well, in 19 of her professional contests since turning over in August of 2013. And the 32-year-old from Buenos Aires is a former WBC Latino, South American, and Argentinian super featherweight champ 
and is promoted by Argentine legend Marcos Maidena. So uh, Katie Taylor is going to have her hands full. That'll be a great contest to watch. Also on that uh, uh, card, we're going to see Europe featherweight champion Jordan Gill, 27-1-1. Uh, he's going to put his title on the line for the first time against Spain's two-weight world champion Kiko Martinez. Uh, in a fight that also doubles up as an eliminator for the IBF world title uh, held by Josh Warrington. Uh, also on this card, emerging Belfast super welterweight star, uh, Kim Aryarko, 12-0, fights in the second Taylor undercard as he defends his WBA international title against New York's undefeated Peter Dobson, while Irish lightweight contender Carrie Gully is 14-0, fights under the matching promotional banner for the first time, uh, and with his opponent to be announced soon. Uh, heavyweight sensation Johnny Fisher, 6-0, five knockouts. Um, the, the Romford Bull Army <laughs> to Northwest London for a scheduled six-round clash with Italy's Alfonso Damani. And there's action for uh, light heavyweight prospect John Hedges, 6-0, and Luton uh, super welterweight Jordan Reynolds, 3-0. Anyway, um, Wow, uh, says Taylor. It's hard to believe it's been almost 16 years I made pro debut, so it's great to go back now and headline. It's been an amazing journey so far, but there's still lots of great fights out there for me, and I'm excited about what's to, still to come. I was very happy when I received the offer to challenge Katie, said Carabajal. The hard work has paid off. I'm not thinking for a second about Katie's uh, win. All the belts with come, <laughs> all the belts will come back to Argentina with me. <laughs> wow. Um, said uh, Medina for his part um, we will travel to London uh, with an undefeated warrior and will shock the boxing world Katie Taylor will be amazed this will be a Chino Medina promotion and my co-promotional partner Legacy Boxing second world championship this year and it will be a huge success for us as a new company wow said Eddie Hearn can't go without an Eddie Hearn quote today I'm delighted to see Katie back in action following her epic victory over Amanda in a historic night in New York Katie is one of the superstars of boxing and more than that a pioneer for women's sport and it's great to have her return to the arena that made her uh, where she made her debut in 2016 it's always an honor to stage Katie's fights and I have no doubt that after her fight of the year with Amanda in April, a new wave of fans will pack the Wembley Arena to see this icon perform against the tough, hungry, and unbeaten Argentine. Wow. All righty. Well, that concludes today's episode. Boxing fans, thank you for joining me once again here on Talk and Fight. I appreciate it. Remember to like, share, subscribe, hit that notification bell. And we'll see you later on at 4 p.m. for Knuckle Up, featuring Mike Orr and Cedric Ben at four.